Welcome to Spartan Up Podcast here in the Amy Barn in Pittsfield, Vermont. Behind the camera, we have Marion, who I'm going to acknowledge first and foremost. We have Chris Irving, who is joining us from Spartan HQ. We have Sephra beside him. We have Colonel Nye beside her. And I'm Johnny Wade, as always. This week, we have Vanessa O'Brien. Vanessa is most famous for having completed the Explorer's Grand Slam. You're going to find out what that is. But more importantly, you're going to find out how she can show you how to apply what she's learned in extreme adventure to day-to-day life. Because she's also been very successful in the corporate world. And uh, we're going to find out all about that. We are here for Spartan Up Podcast in New York City with Vanessa O'Brien, who was the first ever to set the speed record top seven summits and two poles. That's right. And what year did you do that? Uh, that was uh, 2012, 2013. 2012. So crossed over a calendar year. So you were like a teenager. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> you know, 40s the new 30, that wow. kind of thing. What, what um, got you to do that? Like how? Well, uh, so I was in a um, period of transition. It was the global recession, and I was looking for a challenge. And at the time, I couldn't find anything harder to do than Everest. So I, I took that on. And you needed something hard. I needed something hard. And the Everest financial me, meltdown of the world ending wasn't enough. Well, it was enough, but um, I just stopped climbing corporate ladders and decided to literally climb. And when Everest came into my realm of imagination, I took it on and decided, you know, I may not know this, but I can learn this. And that's what I did. I took a mountaineering course in New Zealand. I was living in Hong Kong at the time, and I didn't think I'd succeed, actually, but um, I put all my determination, energy, enthusiasm into the task and... um, Got it done. Got it done. So go back in time. Like, where does a person with that kind of um, energy and determination come from? Where did you grow up? Ooh, do you have a pendulum and a a couch (laughs) that we can, like, take this this forward? Um, No, it's, um, you know, some of it will stem from childhood, you know, how you're raised. I think, um, you know, parents' expectations... Um, but a lot of it uh, stemmed from a, a corporate background. So I, I had the opportunity to work for GE and Jack Welsh. And, you know, he was uh, one of the great uh, business leaders of our time. Many, many books, more than I could ever write or opine about. But he had three principles, and that was um, speed, simplicity, and self-confidence. So those were the three principles I took um, really to the mountains with me. And I think they all apply. Speed is really a a key thing about the mountains. You don't want to spend a lot of time once you start the ascent. Uh, Simplicity, you know, you want to take the least amount that you can with you, you know, keep it simple. Uh, I don't have to say stupid after that. And then, um, you know, self-confidence, you know, you need to really believe in yourself, especially when times get tough. You've got 40 below, you know, temperatures, uh, 40 mile an hour winds. You really need to not let uh, your mind win over that mental willpower and keep going. Don't feel sorry for yourself. But but so when he had these three principles, did they apply um, not just to people, but to the business in general? Uh, oh, they apply to the business for sure, but I yeah. think they, they easily apply to, to any sort of adventure sports, any sort of expeditions. Um, you or know, anything I, you want to be successful anything. at. Yeah, they're, right? they're, really, they're really key for success in general. So I found it very easy to take the business skills and apply them to any sort of expeditions. And where'd you grow up? I grew up in Gross Point uh, Farms, Michigan. On a farm? Well, it's um, <laughs> there's, gross- there's five Gross Points, so, <laughs> um, and Gross Point was one of the automobile uh, neighborhoods of the time. Detroit, of course, now is not what it used to be, but once upon a time it was Motown, and then it became uh, Motor City, but today it was 
you know, kind of known for a, a really a, almost a Harvard Business Review case study of a, a city that failed because of corruption at a political level. And so, um, what perfect childhood, leave it to beaver kind of household? Like, like I'm just trying to dig yeah. in because there's people out there that are watching and saying, how do I get to the level she got to? Yeah. Right? Um, you know, uh, actually, no, <laughs> funny enough. Um, I, I would say perfect childhood, you know, I want to say national lampoons like European vacation, but, <laughs> you know, it was brother, sister, uh, you know, mom, dad kind of thing, immigrants, you know, who, who came from Europe. Um, but but there was tragedy, and that tragedy was uh, the death of my brother uh, when we were, you know, sort of 14, 15. He was one year younger, and he uh, was in a boating accident. And um, when things happen, when tragedies happen to families and, um, say, a, a son dies, uh, or the natural order of things don't happen, where the grandparents die before the parents and the children, it tends to be a disruptor. And in a case like that, um, what happened is that my parents divorced immediately because they couldn't cope with the tragedy. tragedy. And so I was left pretty much alone in the house with the parents divorcing, not wanting to be in the family home, which reminded them of of the death. And so I grew up really alone and developing a sense of community with my friends who became my nuclear family. So it was not a normal, by society standards, upbringing. It's only normal to me. And, and do you think that whole experience helped push you forward in business? Clearly, you did very well in business. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's funny. Like, you know, it gives you a, a chance to, um, to determine early on who you are or who you are going to be, but also to experiment. So I had just as much of, of an opportunity to maybe go the wrong way to mess things up, to not take responsibility. But I was forced maybe early on to realize that there wasn't a a safety net and that the safety net I would have to develop would be really all the skills and experience and knowledge I would acquire. And those were things that people couldn't take away from me. And that became kind of um, an important aspect that I learned over time and what I really like people to take away from is when you go from a banker to a mountaineer, you know, let's say 25 years in banking and you do something radical, say I couldn't find anything harder to do, which, which some people take as sort of a flip response. But the reality is, is that I knew with all the experience, knowledge, and skills that I had banked, pardon the pun, that I could always go back. I could always go back after the recession had ended. And... All I, all I encourage people to do is take, take a look inward if they're not happy with where they are in their job, in their experience, you know, um, where they live, um, with the partner that they have, anything. Take that risk because you can always go back. Nobody can take those things away from you. And it's such a powerful message because in an uncertain economy and with uncertain things that we find ourselves in, People have, if they look inward, they have more self-confidence that they channel that, and they could find a lot more happiness. And, and do you think people end up just, just staying um, the easy course? Because of course, because it's, it's, the, it's the path of least resistance. Comfortable. It's comfortable. There, there's no risk there. Yeah. But, but they could find so much more happiness if they would just take that one step forward. 
And that's what mountaineering taught me, was take that one step. Not only will you get to the summit, but, but all new possibilities open up for you. We're going to take a, a two-minute break. Why don't you and I scale the side of the building, do a little mountaineering, and then, <laughs> we'll, come like back, and then we'll come back to this? Right. Brilliant. Thank you. I hope you're not sitting still while you listen. If you are, you better get a burpee break in. All right, Suffer, who do we have next week? We have Joe Polish. Uh, it's a great interview. I mean, the guy, he started out marketing carpet cleaners, deals with addiction, goes through this really eloquent story, and um, basically ends up putting together something called the Genius Network, which is really brought together a lot of the market transformers in that industry. It's an awesome interview. Well, I can't wait Joe's, to hear it. So, yeah. And if you don't want to miss it, subscribe on either iTunes or YouTube or wherever else you can find us. You. All right, that was a hell of a climb. Thanks for that. Um, so let's go back to safety net. Let's go back to this idea that um, most people are just extremely comfortable in their lives. Maybe not happy, yep. but comfortable, and they don't want to push outside that comfort zone. Right? And so how do we get people to do that? Um, well, I think people, first of all, have to assess where they are in life. Um, happiness is an interesting thing. First of all, one should never give the keys to happiness and put them in someone else's pocket. Explain um, that. What I mean by that is ha- happiness is, is, belongs to one, oneself. You can't find happiness through someone else. Right. And a lot of people will often say, oh, so-and-so is like, you know, pissed me off or, you know, I'm, I'm disappointed because of so-and-so or something or... You know, that, that's a reaction to something or someone. Right. And you have to remember what you can control and what you can't control. You cannot control someone else. You can only control how you react Act to someone else. Or something. Or something. Right. So first of all, what's within your control and what's not within your control? Right. Don't wind yourself up on things that aren't in your, your control. It's like mountaineering. Right. There like are acts- there's a blizzard all of a sudden. That, nothing exactly. you can do. If there's an avalanche, a blizzard, acts of God, you know... Financial meltdown. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Those are out of our control. To wind yourself up over them is so self-defeating because it's not in your control. But if if you're doing something, that is... Right. So give an example there. Okay. So, um, you know, your reaction to it, your game plan. So in the financial recession, I said, okay... The best thing for me right now, because I'm a growth person, is not to be in financial services. Right. Because I build businesses. I don't, I'm not a business-as-usual person. Sure. Let me take a step out. Let's wait two to three years. Let's think of something goal-oriented. Let's think of something non-financial, something I could measure success. And let me find something that fits those parameters. So I build my own little mini plan around that. It just happens when the Everest word hit, it hit all those parameters, right? Right. right. So in the case of happiness, you know, if somebody's not making you happy or you, you're, you're hating your commute or you're hating your job, it's taking a step back and saying, okay, what are, what a, where else would I rather be? What else would I rather be doing? And then how do I get from A to B? And pivoting. Yeah, because you know you can always go back. Right. Um, because those knowledge, skills, and experience are yours. You can always go back. And that's why people, if they take that, if they take that step, they have a data point. 
I like it, I don't like it. Now I know what to do. If they never take that step, no data point. Right. So, so then you're stuck where you are. Yeah, it's, and what I'm trying to say is that it, there's less actual risk than people think. Got it, got it, because they think they're going to... They think their life is going to be completely disrupted. Right. Just go back, but, but back home. But they can go back. Right. You can always go back. You can always go back. You can go sideways. You can do all these other pivoting things. And people think, oh, no, no, I can't change. I can't change. And people are afraid of change. But make change your friend. You know, that's what the mountaineering has taught me. I would never have been in a Guinness World Record. I would never have achieved, you know, the, the, the summits. Um, and by the way, you know, the summit is never the goal, as you learn. It's, it's getting back down. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> and right. it's about yeah, the right. journey and all these right. other things. But, you know, you learn so much on an eight-week expedition, um, you know, about yourselves and pushing boundaries and things like that. And, you know, much more than you would accumulating a closet of clothing or, uh, you know, a brand-new sofa or anything like that where you would apply, you know, sure. your resources. So. so the big takeaway is take the risk. It's not, so, it's not as big a risk as you think, and, and you, could always go, uh, you could always go back. Let's apply that lesson you just spoke of uh, to an actual experience. Okay. So, so um, you're telling the people out there, whether it's a mom, a, a monk, a business person, take the risk, get uncomfortable, because you could always go back. I would imagine that happened in mountaineering. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you have to know when to turn back, or you would never, le- you would never live to climb another day. So So um, getting down is more important than getting to the top. Yeah. And a great example is um, after these adventures, the eight eight summits, um, and then the two poles, I have been to K2 in Pakistan, which is the second highest mountain for the last two years. More dangerous. Much more dangerous, much more technical. um, And it's it's a beautiful country. Um, uh, Pakistan has the second, third, fourth, fifth highest. largest glaciers in the world out of the North and South Pole, and it has over 150 peaks, um, over 7,000 meters, that are the most highest and precipitous peaks in the world. So, you know, they call it the Valley of the Mountain Gods. It's just fantastic. But K2 itself um, is a, a very hard, treacherous mountain. So the first year in 2015, we got up to Camp 2. It was an El Nino year. We had to turn back. Last year, we got How up to- How hard is that to turn back? Oh, it's so hard. You, you spend so you spend up to eight weeks planning an expedition, a year of training. Um, you you organize an expedition. You go. You you have, you know, your heart set on something. But whether you can see, you can taste it. It's right, right. Well, yeah, but you know, the thing is, it's, it's climate change. El Nino is making the, the world warmer. So, you know, the effect of a mountain is that. You've got rocks that have been, you know, clenched in snow and ice now launching like bullets at you, you know, as you're climbing. And, and theoretically, these that shouldn't be happening. The snow, you, your crampons no longer have purchase because the ice isn't there that, that should be there. So very hard to turn back. We go back another season. We get one camp higher and a massive avalanche. Uh, you know, destroys all the tents, um, equipment, and uh, supplies. So, again, so hard to make that determination to turn back. But, again, the mountain is always there. You have to fight another day. You can always go back. Um, Is it painful two years in a row? You know, of course it's painful. But at some point you have to realize if you continue, 
you, you take the risk of becoming a statistic. You know, one of the 84 people, you know, that have plaques to memorialize the death of the mountain and to become a casualty on that mountain. So... Better to be a person than a plaque. Correct. So I would rather climb at, a, at another time and reach the summit. So you got to be smart about it. You know, always, always these risk-adjusted things. You know, when to turn back, when to, you know, pivot, when to take... But it goes right to your point, right? Take the risk, and you could always turn back. You can always turn back. Um, and it's always there. Um, that's just another example of pivoting, knowing when you want to, you know, kind of claim your glory, when to go, when to stay. By the way, when it's all said and done, it makes it that much more fun that it took three times or five times or... Yeah, and, right? and you know, and the, the sense of satisfaction that you had to put that much effort into it. It makes it, makes it that much more interesting. And, of course, there's so many more stories that come out of exactly. each year. You know, success stories after success stories are quite boring. You know, there's so many wonderful stories that come out of the, uh, the aborted attempts. That's right. Um, you know, I never really tell the story in long form, but my first ever attempt at, at Everest was a failure, and then it became a, a huge success because every entrepreneur will tell you that you have to fail first. Gotta fail. No, I'm a big believer that that failure is actually um, the road to success. Correct. Right. And, and if somebody told me, well, you have to fail first, I would have been like, right, there's yeah. the door, sawed off, like I don't want to listen to you. But when it happens to you, you understand why. Because suddenly you're all ears, you're doing everything right, you're taking notes, and you're not going to get it wrong. And I could never you're not have. Sloppy. You're not sloppy, and I could never have had the success I have if I didn't fail first. So also, if people do fail, don't freak out. It's just a road. You're normal. Yeah. It's okay. It means you're about to succeed. I love it. You're okay. awesome. Cheers. Notice she is not cold. I have a jacket on. <laughs> <laughs> See ya. Thank you. All right. Well, I found that pretty interesting. That's a that's a very interesting woman, and her. I really liked her her philosophy. I don't know if it's hers or she she borrowed it. Uh, but the three S's, the speed, simplicity, and self-confidence, and, and how that applied to mountain climbing, but it, obviously how it applied uh, across the board. You know, whether you're, in, you're, whether you're in a boardroom, whether you're playing a sport or whatever, um, whether just how you can, or, or you, how you can apply those lessons to whatever you're doing. So uh, I think that was a great takeaway. What do you think? I think she's awesome. I mean, I mean, the Explorer's Grand Slam, how many people have actually done that? Well, Does anyone know? Uh, you know, I just, just I, how many I think, women? I think sometimes we fall into a trap because we speak to so many incredible people doing so many incredible things. We start okay. to take for granted yeah. what it is to climb a mountain. We take for granted what it is to go to the South Pole. Yeah. So the Explorer's Grand Slam, it's getting to South the top Pole of again. all seven summits, going to the North Pole and the South Pole. Most people, as in 99.999%, will never do any of those, let alone all of those. Right. The incredible thing about what she did is she did it as a, as a speed thing where she said, I'm going to start to do this as one of the fastest people in the world who have ever completed this. And um, you just look at the, the logistics that go. I've, I've, I've climbed one of the seven summits, not one of the hardest ones. And the logistics... Is that Aconcagua? Yeah, they go into that. <laughs> seemed like, you know, the biggest thing I've ever done in my life. But then you stretch that across seven, most of which are more complex. The South Pole, one of the hardest places in the world to get to. The North Pole, which is as far from the South Pole as you can get. <laughs> yes. <laughs> by definition. Unless you're on the moon. And... Uh, <laughs> and um, and, and doing it all quickly. Like that's, I, I just want to stop for a second and say that is unbelievable yeah, that somebody yeah. can do that. 
But the, the interesting thing too is this is somebody who's had success in other areas in life as well and, and was you know, quick to point out that a lot of those same skills transfer over. And so you know, when we talk to people who are successful in sport, a lot of what made them successful in sport are the same things that would make us successful. As Joe says, whether you're a monk or a mom or a mechanic, um, it's the same stuff. Grit, endurance, not giving up, going for it at all costs, dealing through adversity, all those things. <laughs> just check them just, off. Done, done, got yeah, it. That just, sounds like, that just sounds like a bull charging through a wall. That doesn't, that doesn't include... Don't you think the, you need to be the, like that sometimes? You, you, need to have en- you, need, sometimes. you need to have energy that moves you forward, but you yeah. also need to have thought. Yep. And move forward smartly Maybe. and save and save oh, right right and save energy when you need to save energy right and so there's got there's got to be knowledge and experience and, and intellect involved in all of that as well it cannot just be can I run through the wall or not you know you got to figure out can you run through the wall without getting hurt yep. you know that that kind of thing so I think, and I think she's got all of that I think and I and I really respect and honor like her vision on that but i think there's a lot of people in the endurance race uh extreme sport world who don't really don't put a lot thought. of thought but in, but, but, but I, I look, and they I look just at, I you i look at the agoji <laughs> that you put on here yeah. and um or, or you know the one that you do in china and, and all over the place and i think a really cool thing about that is it's actually trying to draw these athletes away from the testosterone fueled head down smash mm-hmm. through everything right. because if you're going to make it through 60 hours and it's you're taking away from the race too it's more into the experience and um and so you guys are really focused on the mental side of things so so in terms of a gogi how how are you drawing that in yeah yeah so i mean just taking those principles that you talked about and then showing that they can be applied towards everyday life i think that's one of the biggest things with a gogi it's not just go 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 it's not just you know lifting heavy things or thoughtless there, there's some tactical and, and um, you guys and you guys make them do some home, you make them do homework ahead of time they yep. have to come prepared and you make them know their true north and i don't know if we did and they on, teach them skills right but what i'm yeah. saying i don't know if we did it on this one but in the past we've done the obituaries where they've had right. to write <clears throat> You know what they want people to say about them if they died today, and then if they died at eighty-five. So there's, I don't there's, really like that. Well, well, there's it's right because it's designed to make you think about you, who you are, yeah, make you and where and where you're going. Oh, right? being uncomfortable. So that yeah. that's where the intellectual God. part of a goji or a gogi, either one, um, whiskey go-go, is, no is, whiskey. is involved there. The, the other thing that's interesting too, and it, it goes back to the expedition type event. Um, I noticed in the the ceremony at the end of the most recent gogi where there was a conversation about, did you notice the people around you? You know, did you see somebody around you struggling? Did you help them with their pack? And the idea that we're, we're not all just trying to get there before the other person, but actually having some situational awareness, making sure we're aware of what's going on around us and, and help the people who need it. And I think about her with her, um, with her seven summits and the two expeditions, the North and South Pole, you, you need to have that. And again, in business, you need to have that. You need to be aware of, you know, is somebody struggling, having a bad day, um, who's a part of your team, how do you address that and, and sort that out? And um, so, so th- th- this was one that he, even though obviously her claim to fame or what had her on the podcast was, was this um, unique achievement. Um, I was really struck by the fact that that unique achievement wasn't actually unique in her life. It was, it was parallel to other things in her life and just was a different way of applying it. Oh, when she talks specifically about uh, that you, you don't want to die on your way to the top, right? Or you don't want to die on top, maybe. But but I I, I wonder about that. I mean, because to me that's metaphorical and meaning we go out on top. So we can discuss whether it means physically on top of the mountain or on top of your mountain, whatever it is. But the idea is she talked about failure and how important. And Joe Joe has hit this a million times. How important failure is to building 
character in a person and building kind of your own platform there, right? No one wants to cheer for a guy who, who wins every single time. There's got to be the obstacles. There's got to be that friction. There's got to be, whether it's a movie or a sports show, You've got to overcome something. Yeah, no one likes Tom Brady. Interesting too, though, how how she's playing on a on a level where there are different kinds of failure. You know, the idea about about going out and trying to climb a mountain and having to turn around is one kind of failure. Mm-hmm. Uh, going out and and the ultimate failure. You know, you ha- you have to realize where to draw the line. And you know, that that's something that's been interesting watching the evolution of Joe on this show. Where you know, at the start, I, I really I really do think that he was all about go 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 no matter what. He talked to so many people. And so often it came up about how important it is to pivot, not to give up, not to quit, but to sometimes say, today is not the day we're going to make the summit push. We're going to do something different. We're going to come at it from a different angle. And, um, and so listening to her and talking about failure and, and while you have to learn from your small failures along the way, you also have to know where it's not worth the ultimate failure. You're only going to get one crack at it if you, if you do it wrong. I think, um, I think, you know, one of the, like, to go back to a design uh, principle called permaculture, one of the basic tenets of it is something that they call PATO, P-A-T-O. It means protracted and thoughtful observation, right? So before you build on any lot, before you build anything, before you go climb a mountain, it's like, why don't you sit there and observe and observe like what the pathways are, what the restrictions are, what your obstacles are, what your resources are, and actually make a good plan. And I think that has a lot to do with her strategy and and like... So, So there is an intellectual component. I hope. I, I do. <laughs> One can only hope. And you know what? Well, you know what else? I was thinking. This is kind of a tangent, shocker. But, um, <laughs> but you know, it'd be so cool is if we had like uh, somehow a Spartan Up podcast map that showed all the roots of all the expeditions and all the places, all the people that we've had on the podcast. Do if anyone Man, out there is an that, artist and you guys want to, you guys want to put yeah. it together and submit it to us, we'll, we'll feature you know, it you know, on, our, on our illustrious whip, website. You know who could whip that up in twenty minutes is Peter Borden. I don't know if you know Peter, but he's Brigadier. Yeah, he's got nothing else to do Slapping. hey uh if you if you want to find out more about these podcasts see some of the places people have gone see the incredible artwork peter's going to do for us to show the map that draws that all together kidding um go to spartan.com slash podcast make sure you see all of our episodes by subscribing whether you listen on itunes or watch on youtube hit subscribe that makes sure we let you know about it you can let other people know about it uh share it with your friends join us in our mission we're going to rip millions of people off the couch get them exploring this world and making a positive difference Thank you for watching another epic story of success. If you like our message, please share Spartan Up with your friends and subscribe on iTunes, YouTube, or wherever you catch our show, maybe in the woods. Spartan Up is brought to you by Spartan Race. To find a race near you, visit Spartan.com. <laughs>